Renumeum non est de opundo. My kingdom is not from this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's Feast of Christ the King, we know is, relatively speaking, a very recent feast. It was instituted 95 years ago by Pope Pius XI. It is, in that sense, a modern feast, and it, in some ways, was instituted to respond to modern conditions. The forgetfulness of the kingship of Christ by almost all the nations of the modern world, be it Western liberal democracies, be it the totalitarian regimes which were arising all throughout the world in the early 20th century. Pope Pius XI wanted to recall to the minds of men the truth that our Lord Jesus Christ is the king of all things, that while his kingdom is spiritual in nature, nonetheless it has consequences, real-life consequences, for every aspect of human society, and that Christians who are professed to be the subjects of Christ the King must live the reality of that kingship in their daily lives, and that men and societies should recognize Christ as their only true king, the one from whom all authority derives, the one who is king by right, not simply insofar as he is God, and therefore he is sovereign over all things, but even as man, in his human nature, our Lord Jesus Christ rightfully possesses dominion over all things. So this is a modern feast, and yet it is perfectly in harmony with the spirit of the liturgy and with the place in the liturgical year in which it is located. As we have celebrated throughout the year the mystery of our Lord's incarnation and his passion and his resurrection and his glorious ascension and his sending of the Holy Ghost, we celebrate now his kingship, the kingship that he enjoys in heaven at the right hand of the Father, but a kingship which rules over all things, rules over all of history, a kingship which will be made fully manifest when he comes again in glory, but which already is reality here and now. In many ways, this feast is the culmination of the entire liturgical cycle. And we can see how artfully the office is constructed, drawing in texts that bring us back to the very beginning of the liturgical cycle. At Vespers last night, we began with the antiphon Pacificus, whose melody and whose texts bring us back to the first Vespers of Christmas. Today's feast celebrates the fulfillment of what began in the nativity of our Lord. Similarly, at Vespers last night, we heard the words of the angel Gabriel to Our Lady at the Annunciation. The Lord God shall give him the seed of David his father, and he shall rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. The promise that was made at the very moment of our Lord's conception, we celebrate today the fulfillment of that promise in our Lord's glorious kingship over all things. And yet it's a feast which is full of surprises, because our Lord's kingship is a very surprising sort of kingship. We see that, perhaps most strikingly, in the Gospel of the Mass. After hearing in the Alleluia that his power is an eternal power which shall not be taken away, and his kingship shall not be corrupted, shall not decay, 
We heard in the gradual that he will rule from sea to sea, that all the kings of the earth will adore him, all nations shall serve him. This is the setup. And then the gospel presents us with the scene of our Lord standing as a prisoner before Pilate, already having been handed over by thy own nation and the chief priests. God's chosen people have rejected him and condemned him as a blasphemer. The religious authorities of the chosen people have condemned him. They've handed him over now to the highest secular authority, which is interrogating him about his supposed kingship. This is the scene in which the liturgy presents us with our Lord's words about his own kingship. Our Lord's clearest teaching about his kingship comes in this moment of utter disgrace, utter powerlessness before all of the seeming powers of this world. And so our Lord's kingship is revealed to us as a kingship which is established through his innocent suffering. A kingship which consists in his bearing witness to the truth, even at the cost of his life. This is the way in which our Lord's kingship is inaugurated. His kingship does indeed extend over every people and every nation, but it is not like the kingship of this world. It is a kingship based upon truth rather than upon power, or rather based upon the only true power, which is the power of God, which is founded upon the truth. And the paradoxical nature of this kingship of our Lord is brought out as well in the introit with which we open this Mass, the introit which presents us with the worship of the heavenly sanctuary as described in the fifth chapter of the Apocalypse. In that chapter, the seer, St. John, has been weeping that there's no one worthy to open the book to break open its seals, and he's told that he shouldn't weep because the Lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. And one might expect then that a lion will appear, and instead a lamb appears. Worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and divinity and wisdom and strength and honor. Our Lord is king as the lamb who is slain. A lamb is not an image of power and domination, and still less a lamb who is slain, a lamb which is lying upon the altar, immolated as a victim. This is the image which is presented to us all throughout the last book of the Bible for our Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious kingship. It is the lamb who is slain who breaks open the seals. It is the lamb who is slain who judges the world, and it is the lamb who is slain who takes his bride to himself. So our Lord's kingship is not the sort of kingship that we would expect. And if we want to be the servants of such a king, then we have to expect that our own path will be like his, that we will share with him in his victimhood, in his innocent suffering, in his being offered to the Father in sacrifice, and so establishing his kingship. On a final note, the liturgical providence of God today brings together the Feast of Christ the King with the 21st Sunday after Pentecost. And it's interesting if we look at the text of the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, that the 
gospel of that Sunday, which we'll hear read later this week, begins also with a king. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a king who had taken account of his servants. And so we receive more information about the kingship of Christ in the gospel that is given for this Sunday, which we'll hear later this week. A king who takes account of his servants and is presented with a servant owing him an immense debt, who ought to be sold with his wife and children in order to pay the debt. The servant falls down and beseeches him, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Misertus autum dominus servi ilius. The Lord of that servant, being moved with pity, let him go and forgave him the debt. This is the sort of king that we have. A king who forgives debts that we could never pay to him. A king who is far more generous than we would ever have expected. A generosity which is conditioned, it seems, in this parable, only one thing. Namely, that the servant is willing to extend to his fellow servants the same generosity that he's received from the king. Because, as we know, he goes forth and meets his fellow servant who owes a mere pittance in comparison with his own debt, and he throttles him and demands repayment. And it's then that the wrath of the king, or as the apocalypse puts it, the wrath of the lamb is unleashed upon the wicked servant, serve nequam. The only thing, it seems, which can prevent us from receiving the mercy of our king, of Jesus, the king of love, as we honor him here in our oratory, is our own unwillingness to embrace that mercy, to let that mercy be communicated by us to others. And so as we honor our Lord Jesus Christ and his kingship, as we will adore him exposed upon the altars, the lamb who was slain, the one whom all the nations shall adore, whom all the nations should adore, as we adore him today, let us ask him to help us to imitate him in his kingship, his kingship of love, his kingship which consists in laying down his life for us, laying down his life for sinners. As we lay down our lives in reparation for our sins and the sins of the world, as we seek to show mercy and forgiveness to all who have offended us, it is in this that we are most like the Lord Jesus Christ, our true King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Son.